0: Well this morning we are the the title of the message is "Liberty to the captives: Liberty to the Captives in Luke chapter four verse eighteen is the primary text and although we 're going to be looking at chapter four verse beginning at verse sixteen, but verse eighteen is "The spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives and to set at liberty those who are oppressed so whenever we are Looking at the life and ministry of Jesus, this is one of those key times in which we see Jesus uh, coming, um, what do they say, coming uh, to, the, to the people and coming to his own hometown. And he, well, we see that, we'll, we'll start with verse, verse 16. Jesus went back to Nazareth, all right? So verse 16 jesus returns to nazareth and nazareth is the place where he he was brought up and so we are assuming that he's been there well after the return from egypt with with uh mary and joseph and return from egypt um whenever they fled for the saving of the the the, the, what's his name (laughs) was going to kill all the children in uh, uh children in bethlehem so uh, they fled to Egypt, and now he's come back to Nazareth, and they've been there seemingly ever since. So it's looking at 25, we'll say 25 years he's been at Nazareth. So he come back to this town where he has been. Now, it's a small community. Um, everybody there knows him, <laughs> and uh, we also, the, the Jewish community and and, and we can imagine even in our day so the communities are not very forgiving uh they're not they don't overlook things very well and they keep old grudges you know families and systems people can keep old grudges and old prejudices well he he came back to nazareth where he had been brought up and as usual he went to the meeting place on the sabbath so again it's His time, he's back in town, so he's going to go to the the synagogue, and he's going to be there. And it says that when he stood up to read the scriptures, he was given the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So the people, they were reading from Isaiah's message that day, and so they gave it to Jesus to to read. Now, uh, Jesus opens the book. Now, it isn't a book like we have. It's a scroll. And he has to, you know, is it a thumb through the scrolls till he reaches this particular chapter. And he says, and he reads this. The Lord's spirit has come to me because he has chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. The Lord has sent me to announce freedom for prisoners, to give sight to the blind, to free everyone who suffers, and to say this is the year of the Lord that the Lord has chosen. Well, that seems like a very familiar, it is a very familiar text, but there was something about the way that Jesus read this and the way that he presented it that, you know, it began to stir the people up and get them a little, you know, some of them, they almost got to this point of believing, but they they also got to the point of being very uh, distraught at what he had inferred. But as we're reading this, it's important, I think, for us to know that where and when our ministry in our lives, the spiritual part of who we are, uh, begins. And it is in this place that Jesus is brought to bringing to the people exactly what he believes and he knows is his life's ministry and what his call is and what he has come to do. He has come... The Spirit of God has come upon me. Remember, going back to John the Baptist, that he baptizes him. And, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes on him. And so the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. So it's an actual event that took place. He has chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. So that good news is part who he is. And the spirit has moved on him and that he is there to reach the poor. Sent me to announce freedom for prisoners. To give sight to the blind. To free everyone who suffers. And to let everybody know this is the year the Lord has chosen. Well... It's quite a declaration, but it is a it is the word of God, the scriptures that are the found that is the foundation for what Jesus believes and what Jesus knows to be who he is. Now, I, I was when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about where do we find? Well, put it this way: we find in the scriptures the the uh, text for what God intends for our spiritual life to be. That we can read this verse, these verses, and we know we're not the Messiah, but we also can know that the Spirit, the Lord's Spirit has come to me. The Holy Spirit has come into our lives. We confess our sin, he forgives us. You see, and and, and God lives within our heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and we can, you know, sup together. So the Spirit of the Lord has come to us. (laughs) Has come to us. And so what happens when the Spirit of God comes to us? It is that understanding that we are not our own. Spoke about this in Sunday school lesson. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price that our body and soul belong to God. And that we, the person who occupies this place, is a caretaker of our body and soul. And being a caretaker, we are to look after who we are as a person. Now, if you were a caretaker of an orchard or a vineyard, um, I I was watching, I don't know, some YouTube thing. And uh, that's what, I don't know. I won't go there. but it, <laughs> And it was about vineyards, you know. And this one, ind- this one individual, she and her husband moved to this area in California. And she has her own vineyard. Now, she has studied and, and looks at, she has this, I don't know how many acres, that she herself is the personal caretaker. And she knows how many leaves should be on uh, the branch above the 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 pot of grapes she you know and she will go through each pod and the all the acres and all the rows and she will trim and snip if there's too many leaves (laughs) so she goes through there and she's the caretaker of that vineyard and you know it's the prime grapes that they use for making their wine And they make it, you know, from this one area. And this woman, it's her personal goal to make sure that she touches every pod of grapes every week. (laughs) And so she goes through her vineyard to trim. So what she's doing is preparing these grapes and watching over them. Well, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. He's chosen me. So I am the pod... (laughs) Of grapes, And God is the husbandman who goes through and trims off anything that would get in the way of me not becoming what I have been called to be. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon you to be what? To be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> that anything that you ask of God would be given. So you see, God is about taking this. Pod of grapes, taking this person, you and I, and and uh, developing, and we find in the word the description of what this person, us, that we're supposed to be. And we find that we can't be that without the help of our husbandmen. We cannot be that without the Holy Spirit helping us. See, we can't just. (laughs) It's like some people. Some people think anybody can be a farmer. All you got to do is turn over the grass, throw a few seeds, and wait for the great, wait for it to grow, and then you harvest it. It's easy. You know, uh, years ago, I was, I was, you know, raised on a farm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my dad, we, we, would, uh, we had a tractor that had six bottom plows. I mean, that's a big, for that time, it was a big tractor. My dad plowed our garden with a six bottom plow. You can't even drop that thing without making, (laughs) you know, huge, huge uh, rows. And it was a massive garden. And we always got to go to the garden when we couldn't go to the field, when it rained. So you went to the garden, and when it was humid and muddy and weedy, and Dad hadn't gotten to the place where everything was weeded out, so we went there and weeded it out. Well, one year, uh, when we were first married and we had a, a church, we had, they had a little garden behind, you know, and they asked, oh, you're going to plant a garden, Pastor? So you, they, mm, yeah. <laughs> so I planted the garden, and I decided that I would see who wins, the weeds or what I planted. <laughs> we didn't get much out of the garden. <laughs> but you see, I didn't, I didn't weed it. Because I don't like gardens. <laughs> now, put me on a tractor and let's go plow hundreds of acres. That's good. Go out and crawl around in the mud pulling out weeds. That's bad <laughs> for me. But whenever we, you know, when we look at being a husbandman, the gardener, of watching over our soul and our spirit and our body, that God is the one who is giving us instructions how to do this. Now, what this lady did in her trimming of the vineyard, she had learned and studied and over the years had developed this, you know, her techniques of, of going through how to cut back the vineyards, how to trim the vines, how to prepare not, you know, you couldn't have numbers of bunches on, on the grapes or whatever, you could only have one if there were extra, you cut them off. I mean, she had this whole list of things that she had come to understand. Me, I wouldn't have known that. But here we are as a person, we are called to follow God, and the Scriptures inform us how we are to take care of our body, our spirit, our life. The Scriptures tell us what we can do. Most of the time we think, well, what tells me I can't do this, can't do that. No. What we are learning is that Scriptures are telling us what we can do, who we can become. How that God will honor our faithfulness. How that God will help to make us strong in our weaknesses. How that God can open doors that people can't open and close doors that people can't close. How God will protect us and keep us safe. You see, there are all these things that the scriptures are teaching us how to be a good caretaker of this spiritual man. So that this spiritual man... Can produce fruit, and the scriptures tell us what kind of a person we can become. You know, the scripture doesn't say you can't be a scientist. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you can't be a doctor, a teacher, a professor. It doesn't say those things. So if the dreams in our heart doesn't say what we can't become, it doesn't say we you you can't be a farmer. <laughs> You know, work in a factory. It doesn't say you can't do that. You can do and be the best at what God has called you to be. That's all. <laughs> you know, it's The Marines didn't make that up. God did. <laughs> you know, be the best that you can be because the Spirit of God is there to help us become that best wherever we are at. I can't be a surgeon. You know, I've watched the video. You know, you want to come sign up? I'll take care of you. <laughs> That's a joke. so this is what jesus thought of and declared who he is in this verse now this ver- these verses were written by the prophet isaiah who foretold that the messiah would come all right so isaiah hears this from god and he writes it in the in the in the book jesus is the word made flesh even the old testament is the word Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word, living word. So when Christ is alive in us, he is the living word. The word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God is alive and active, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the the soul and spirit, the bone and marrow. So when the word, the living word of God is attached to our soul and to our life, we find that there is a expectation of life, an expectation of growth, an expectation of becoming. And no matter where we are at in our life cycle, you know, we still have an expectation. Doesn't, you know, we're not, I don't think I'm 70. (laughs) I don't think about not preaching you know i don't think about when it's time to not preach i guess i'll know it or you'll all tell me preacher it's time for you to quit you know <laughs> you know <laughs> retire <laughs> you know <laughs> but anyhow i don't think of that you know i don't think in that terms now i did think about that at the hospital i started, i'm done here you know i <laughs> had enough but that was that was but it was good for its time but it's had enough but here we are, the, the most important thing we do is who we are here and now and allowing what God has given to us. And so we look to the scriptures to determine who we are. Okay. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see? That um, thousand shall fall at thy side. Ten thousand the right hand. Not come nigh your dwelling. You see, God can inspire us Jeremiah 29, 11. What is it? Uh, I've just left my head. But anyhow, <laughs> I know the plans for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and, you know, to be in health and whatever. James talks about you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you see, there's, the scriptures are telling us what we should be. And Jesus had read, has read this in his hometown. Now, Whenever we repeat these scriptures, these things of, of faith, of belief, I think the first thing that rises up inside of us is our old nature, our hometown. And it says, who are you kidding? <laughs> you? See, we, go, we read on here. Um, well, I have a whole bunch of stuff that I wrote about how that when God has put, imparted things to our lives, to us we have to remember we were created by god psalm 139:13 you are the one who put me together inside my mother's body How about Galatians 1 15? I skipped Judges. (laughs) Galatians 1 15. But even before I was born, God has chosen me. He was kind and had decided to show me his Son, so that I would announce his message to the Gentiles. I didn't talk this over with anyone. I didn't say a word, not even to the men in Jerusalem who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went on to Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. This is Paul determining that God has saved him, God has changed him, and he didn't go to the disciples first. He went away to be alone with God. Before I was born, God had chosen me. This was Saul of Tarsus, now Paul the apostle. John 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you and sent you out to produce fruit, the kind of fruit that will last. Then my Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Then Romans 15, 13, which I didn't give it to you. <laughs> Sorry. But that's the one that came in on the, the, the prayer from the general counsel. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit you see god is telling us who we are by his text by the word jesus is reading who he is in the council in the in the synagogue with his hometown people around him the people who know him since he was a kid this is joseph's son mary the illegitimate child you know they never let those things go away. There was always the you know behind the scenes the back talking of who Jesus was, and now he shows up in the synagogue, and he reads this text, and he closes the book, and then handed it back to them, the man in charge, and sat down. Everyone in the meeting place looked straight at Jesus. I Was looking at Rhonda. <laughs> So everyone sat down and just stared at him like, okay, what did he just say? <laughs> Why, I remember when he was just a kid, you know, running around with the other kids. <laughs> and he reads this from Isaiah. Then Jesus said, what you have just heard me read was, has come true today. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Now, isn't it, I think, I think it's how that the Spirit works, that he knows, God knows, the Spirit knows what your first impulses are when the Holy Spirit speaks his word to you. You, um, that could never be in my life. Do you know? It's just like what happened here in his hometown. Your, your old nature Tries to sabotage what God's nature is saying to you. And the people in Jerusalem, in, in Nazareth, are looking at Jesus, and Jesus said to them, What, do you, what have you just heard me read about has come true? <laughs> now, do you know, I think one, sometimes one of our weaknesses is that we wait for someone to validate what we think and what we believe you know we we want approval by someone and if that someone doesn't give us approval then we we feel like oh my goodness that was just a wasted (laughs) day that was just a wasted thought i'll never be that but you see the validation of who we are comes by comes from the holy spirit what if jesus had gone to his hometown to preach the gospel, to give the good news to these individuals and wanted to have their validation. He wanted them to say, yes, we believe you're the Messiah. (laughs) What if he had given them that authority over his life? You know, the people who had been back talking and, you know, never treated his mother well, never treated his father well. There was always this sense of, you know, they're not as good as we are. But Jesus is the Word made flesh. They saw the human Jesus, but were blind to the Word made flesh. We see the human part of us, and we see the failure of our life, and we see the sins and the difficulties and all the times that we've fallen. That happens. That's just life. But what we need to see is that the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, is the one who validates who he created. That's you. He validates who you are as a person and as an eternal being and that he wants, to, he wants you to spend an eternity with him and he wants the fruit of your vine to last forever. The fruit of your vine is the message of Jesus Christ that you give to, to those around you and, and just being yourself and allowing yourself to be this child of God, who you are, to be who you are right where you're at. <laughs> All the people started talking about Jesus and were amazed at the wonderful things he said. So there were some, wow, did you hear him? It's almost like there's an element of pr- pride coming up here. Wow, well, you know, <laughs> did you hear what he said? Wow, that's, you know, that's really good. They almost believed. But then, they, then it says, they kept on asking. They kept on asking, isn't he Joseph's son? Now, there's this, wow, he really, did you hear what he said? There was so much in that. Yeah, but isn't he Joseph's son? In our spirit, that, that conflict is there. Wow, God says I can do all things through him. Yeah, but aren't you William McGee's son? (laughs) You know? Aren't you so-and-so's son? Haven't you? See what happens in that failure and that conflict? One is trying to destroy us and the other is trying to build us and we are the caretaker of what happens in our body and our soul and our spirit. And God is... The one who owns the place, the one who owns the place has said, you can produce this. You can become this. You can grow this. You can do all of this in your life. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Nothing shall separate you from my presence. Yeah, but aren't you? you see, God is saying, Huh, hold on. I own this place. I put the promises in your heart. Now I want you to act upon what I give you. Well, (laughs) the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives and set set at liberty those who are oppressed. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't this Joseph's son? Well, Jesus answered. Verse 23. Of course, he always he knows what people are thinking, he knows what they're discussing. You will certainly want to tell me this saying, Doctor, first make yourself well. You will tell me to do the same things here in my own hometown that you heard I did in Capernaum. So you want me. This is what's going on, you know. There, Jesus is telling them, you want me to do the same things I did in Capernaum. You want me to do them here. Prove to us that you are. Jesus is only going to do one miracle here. One. But you can be sure that no prophets, no prophets are liked by the people there of their hometown. <laughs> Jesus confronts them, you know. All those years of hypocrisy and, and all those years of gossip and character assassination and tearing him, tearing him down and his mother down and his father down. And Jesus says, There are no prophets welcomed in their own hometown. Well, we know you're no prophet, Jesus, because we've seen you grow up from a kid. <laughs> and we know where you came from. The accusers. Jesus is not the accuser. Jesus did not come. All right, let's back up again. For God so, I can only quote it in the whole sentence. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus doesn't come to condemn us, he comes to save us. When he parts, imparts the promises to us, he, he imparts them in such a way that he wants us to be saved through them and by them, by the work, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And he tells them no prophet is, is uh, appreciated in their hometown, and I bet that's what, you're a prophet? You're no prophet. You're Joseph's son. <laughs> Once during the time of Elijah, he, he brings up some examples I'd like to give you some examples to prove that your guys are just a bunch of hypocrites. (laughs) I don't know if he said that, but once during the time of Elijah, there was no rain for three and a half years, and people everywhere were starving. There were many widows in Israel, but Elijah was sent only to a widow in the town of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. During the time of the prophet Elisha, many men in Israel had leprosy, but no one was healed except Naaman, who lived in Syria. When the people in the meeting place heard Jesus say this, they became so angry. <laughs> I was so angry. Have you ever become so angry that you could spit nails if you had nails? <laughs> you could just blow up? well, I try never to specialize in that, but uh, (laughs) there have been times, you know. When I was milking cows, I thought I'd break my fist hitting them in the head. They didn't seem to mind, but it sure helped me. (laughs) You know, you get kicked by a cow, you just boom. You know, I'll teach them. It's like, who are you? hand's broke, you know. (laughs) You know, you're just so frustrated at things and you just kind of, So, you know, you go away shaking your hand, you dumb idiot. What would you do that for? You know, they kicked you and you hit them. I think they won. So, but, um, so anyhow, they became so angry, verse 29, that they got up and threw him out of town. (laughs) They dragged him to the edge of the cliff on which the town was built because they wanted to throw him down from there. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus knew who he was, but it didn't change the mind of those who were of the hometown of Nazareth because they were blinded by what they knew. They couldn't see who he was. And, and I, I think of that in the sense that there are so many things we know. <laughs> I know I can't do this. I've tried that and it's failed. There are so many things we know we can't see who Jesus is. And the promises that he continues to provide for us. And that we begin to know that we can change. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect and we're never going to fall down and all that stuff. It means that we have a new heart, a new life, a new beginning, a new destiny. <laughs> Destiny is not by chance, it's by choice. The choices we make determine our destiny. And so we choose to do the right thing for the right reasons. And, and um, we find <laughs> <sighs> Jesus slipped through the crowd and got away. That was the miracle of Nazareth. How? How? Can you drag a guy out of the temple? Drag him to the, uh, to the cliff of where you're going to throw him over and kill him. And suddenly, nobody has him. <laughs> Where'd he go? The miracle of Nazareth was he walked through their midst and they didn't see him. You see... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the liberty to the captives. He is captured (laughs) by these citizens of Nazareth. But he is free because he doesn't want to be thrown over the cliff at this time. (laughs) And he walks out of town. So we must develop a freedom mindset in which no matter who grabs us to drag us over the cliff, we need to have a freedom mindset that says that we will have no bondage, we will not become hot-tempered, that we will not be negative or depressed, that, it is, that it, we will not we will recognize that struggles and other people who get good breaks and all those things, that it's up to us to look and see that In God, these are just stepping stones to continue to grow. You see, (laughs) may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we're wanting to be free in our minds and our hearts, that we see the power of the Holy Spirit filling us with hope. When we see this virus continuing to spread, the Holy Spirit fills us with the power of hope. When we think that we're hot-tempered and giving up our old selves and taking on the new nature of Christ and it doesn't seem to work, we remember that we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us hope. That we have struggles and everybody else gets the good breaks, we remember that that the Holy Spirit, we' are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us hope. So you find that that chain, those chains of restrictions and those chains that bind us, that limit what we would do, be able to become, they are broken. They are broken. And you see, God has broken those chains that bind us, and the sins that so easily beset us, He made us in the image of Himself. He made us in his own image. We have the seeds of greatness. We have the lineage of the holy of God himself. He's now in our DNA because we were made in, his mother's, in our mother's womb, and God formed us, created us, had a plan and a purpose for us. So don't let the chains that bind you become normal. Let the liberation of the Holy Spirit that fills us with hope give us hope and strength and wisdom and understanding in the time and place that we live. There may be a virus around us, but that's what happens. And that God is here, we need to have wisdom and understanding and hope, not fear, hope. (laughs) God's grace to come and live in us, become alive in us. We are liberated. The captives are set free. Our lives are opened with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we find that, one last text, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not like my ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God has a plan. (laughs) Don't go back to your hometown (laughs) and want validation. Don't go back to your old self and want validation for your new self. (laughs) Your new self is in Christ. New creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Jesus went back to his hometown that they might see him for who he is, and they will always remember What happened to him that day? We all had him, but he slipped through our hands like like he wasn't there. That's what they were left with. With their hatred and their bitterness and their desire to destroy the Son of God, he just went away. And you see in our life there are miracles that God will do and that he will give us the strength as we continue to look to him. He will work miracles in our lives and he will give us peace and he will give us strength and he will give us hope and we will stand firm in the foundation that Jesus Christ has given us and it is his life, his word, his message, his spirit. I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we are grateful, grateful and thankful for the day you have given us. God, this is a trying time in our world. People don't know what to do with a virus that has seemingly come from nowhere. But God, you are always the answer. Our hope is in you. And no matter what may happen in this life, we are safe here and for eternity. So, Lord, we stand on this very strong foundation. Jesus, the Word made flesh, who dwells in our hearts and gives us peace. So thank you, God, for hearing our prayer for this world and those who are lost. God, may people who are, may people again seek for the higher power that is not some goodness in a universe, but it is God in us, Jesus Christ, who, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. God, may they see you lifted up in our lives, that we might bring hope and peace to a world that is lost. Thank you, God, for being with us, and that your spirit is upon us, (laughs) upon us, your spirit is upon us to do your work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. (laughs) Amen? Wash your hands. (laughs) Keep your fingers out of your eyes.